Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host. And today in the show, we've got Matt and Krista Davis to talk with us about giving our kids voice. Uh, if you have ever watched uh, Dr. Karen Purvis um, in any of the videos of her interactions with kiddos um, during her time at TCU, you will see this principle employed uh just fr- constantly. Um, this is one of the bedrock, uh, hallmark, whatever you want to call it, um, staple principles that we talk about when it comes to connection-based parenting is giving our kids voice. Why do we want to give our kids voice? How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk with Matt and Krista Davis today, who are Cultivate Connection facilitators. Um, we're going to let them introduce themselves. Uh, Becca McKay is also with us today, and she's going to talk with us as well about this. So one of the most important connecting practices, we keep saying that, it's really true, <laughs> is learning to give our kids voice. So without any further ado, let's now transition to talk about this with the Davises and Becca McKay. Okay, well, we are here today with Matt and Carissa Davis and uh, Becca McKay. And so we're going to talk about um, one of our favorite connecting, I feel like I said that every week, one of our favorite connecting practices. (laughs) I guess they're all our favorites. We love them all equally. But um, but this uh, particular one today, before we jump into it, we thought we'd let Matt and Chris introduce themselves. And so guys, if y'all don't mind, uh, before we jump into the conversation today, first, obviously, thank you for being here. But second, would you just share a little about yourselves and then um, maybe what you do for a living, your family, and then kind of how you got connected to ETC? Sure. Well, my name is Matt Davis. I am a Memphis native. For the last 10 or so years, I've been working at the Collegiate School of Memphis and last five years as alumni support and project manager for the school. Um, I got connected to ETC through just teaching. Um, The nature of my job is I help a lot of young adults juniors, seniors, and college kids discover who they are, um, navigate adulthood, and just tackle the beast that is college acceptance. And so nature of my job is I get to hear a lot of stories and who they are. And so I started realizing like, hey, I needed some more help to just um, coach and equip my kiddos at school to like tackle some of these like life issues and things like that. And so I just started searching for some things. And luckily I married up in life and the amazing Carissa um, knew about ETC and some great programs. And so we kind of jumped all in. I'm Carissa and um, I came to Memphis in 2014 and worked uh, as a teacher as with Shelby County Schools, Memphis Shelby County Schools, I should say, and worked there for six years. And then we grew our family through adoption in 2020. So we got some good out of 2020. And uh, so stayed at home with him and have a great job with Hope Works working in their adult ESL program. Um, and so I work part time with them and stay at home with our little guy. And I got connected to ETC uh, through Jesse. I actually taught one of her kiddos. And so that connected us uh, to ETC and started 
when I was teaching, like, wow, I need some trauma-informed practices. And so started yeah. consulting with Jesse and reading all that I could. And uh, and then when we added to our family, thought, wow, we should dive in even more. And so we did the facilitator training uh, for Cultivate Connection in the fall. And here we are. Awesome. Awesome. And you just finished leading your first class. We yeah. did just finish our first class here in Memphis. So that was really fun. Um, and I think we learned more teaching than we did um, as participants. So it's fun yeah, to, to sure. teach and, and practice it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Becca, do you want to set us up today with our connecting practice and then we'll jump in? Absolutely. So today we are talking with the Davises about give voice. Um, it's a connecting practice that once you get it, it's so easy to use, but it's a little bit weird because like, what does a voice mean? <laughs> um, and so I wanted to like, I haven't done this before, but I wanted to just break down when we say voice, what do we mean before giving you the core components? So when we say voice, we're kind of talking about a person's like agency, like their ability to believe I can say what I need. I can sometimes change my circumstances or I can negotiate or I can have a voice in what happens to me. Um, and something that we know about trauma is that a lot of times when someone's experienced trauma, there's been a significant loss of control and loss of that person's voice. And so that's why it's one of our one of our connecting practices, which is super, super important in our in our parenting of kids who have experienced trauma. A lot of our connecting practices, this one too, are applicable to kids from any background, people from any background, but with voice specifically, there's a little bit of an intentionality there because um, if you don't believe that you have influence over your circumstances, that can be a really, really tough pill to swallow. And it can lead to a lot of internalizing or externalizing behaviors around that. So with that being said, our three core components, number one, share power. Um, this one people get tripped up on because what is power? Does that mean like I give kids authority? No, like we do believe that parents have the responsibility and the authority in a situation, but power is kind of that control piece. Like sometimes we get over like stuck in the details and we want to control every aspect of the environment, what our kids do, what they don't do, what they wear, what they say, how they say it. And so when we can share power, that just means giving kids a developmentally appropriate level of control. So it's going to look different with a toddler than like Matt was talking about his young adults in college. The amount of control that they should have is going to change as they grow. And then our next core component is to offer choices. Um, we we will get into it as we kind of unpack it more, but we don't mean like do this or else something horrible will happen, which is the way that society uses choices. When we want to use it as a connecting practice is when we want to offer two choices and whatever the kid picks, we'll be able to say great choice, like two win-win positive choices. Um, but if you've been doing this very long, you know that when you offer two choices, most of the time a kid's going to say, I don't want any of those. I want my own choice. And so then our last core component is that we offer compromises, um, which is really surprising to people that we actually teach kids to ask, can I have a deal or can I have a compromise? Um, and we do that because when you don't give kids uh developmentally appropriate chances to practice saying what they need and negotiating with someone who has the authority, um, you're setting them up to just say that with their behavior instead of their words. And so it's not easy to do, but from when they're little all the way on up through um, college, even like you're saying, Matt, when we can work with compromises, if you think about it, like as an adult, if you're not able to compromise, 
you're probably not going to be able to like negotiate your salary or like say what you need if you need some time off or talk with your boss about, hey, I've got this many hours in the day and this many projects. And so for people that are that are in work situations, negotiating is really powerful. And for those that work in the home, you have to negotiate with your spouse on like, who does what when and how do I ask for help when I need it? And what does that look like? So no matter your like situation in life, there's chances to negotiate. Sorry, that was a little longer than some of our others, but it's a, it's a meaty uh, connecting practice. So there's a lot to pick apart and digest. And we won't get into like all of it in this podcast, but just so you had kind of an understanding of what it is. And then I'd love to hear from the Davises. What's your favorite part about this? Like what, when you think about give voice, what are you like? Oh yeah. That's what I really love about this practice. So for me, um, our kiddo is two going on, you know, three. And so for me, it's been a fun time and a fun age because personality is becoming forefront i mean we're definitely getting a strong nose and some of the other things but uh, i've realized when i'm really doing voice well offering choices and honestly compromises i'm seeing his personality shine because like if i kept everything like this almost like binary either this or that yeah i never get to see what he's into like how he approaches problems how he's thinking things through like oh so you know Here's the things we've got to accomplish. Like, how do you think we should order these events? And just seeing his brain like work and the logic, it's been really fun because he's able to choose and I get to share in those choices. And it's it's been exciting for me. Yeah. And I think too, like what you were talking about, Becca, like if we don't teach our kids at a young age, then when we get to the workplace, they're, you know, they may not be able to negotiate. And I think about you know, the times that we're collaborating on a project or things like that. And I um, am working with people and how often I'm needing to speak up or learn to negotiate or express things, or I want someone else to do the same. And so I think I get really excited thinking about how even at two, we're scaffolding and equipping our kid to be that type of person one day to be able to, to work collaboratively and speak up for what he wants and needs. I love that. Matt, I wonder if you kind of see uh, maybe a different side of the same coin um, in your work with young adults, like with high school and and college students, like um, how has this changed the way that you engage with them? Yeah. So, you know, part of my story with like where I'm at, especially now with my job is like realizing kids have lacked or have lost executive functioning skills. And so like this beast of like, oh, this is what people need to be successful. But like, how do we see that? And one of the biggest ones I've noticed in my work is like loss of like self-advocacy. Um, we do a great job of holding hands, but then we're like, oh, magically you've turned this age. You are an adult, like go forth and conquer the world. And we're like, eh. I've never done that. Like I'm told when I'm allowed to go to the bathroom, when I'm allowed to that. And so working with adults saying like, even do I have to ask to use the bathroom when I'm right in a job? And so seeing that has then changed how like I've interacted with my students is now I get a chance to ask them, how do you want to accomplish this? How do you want to organize your day and really see them take ownership of their plans? Because then it's their plan. That's not mine. So yeah. if it doesn't work, it's, it's on them in the end. And so I'm like, okay, so what we're going to do differently. And so just seeing this, the trial and seeing kids like all of a sudden, like 
blossom into these creative people who've never had the chance to shine because their creativity doesn't match traditional schooling. Yeah. And they're able to accomplish things. And I'm like, that I didn't think was possible because it doesn't fit how I think, but I'm like, wow, like you've taught me something now. Like, this is really cool. Right. Right. No, I, I love that. And I think that when we, we talk a lot about the, uh, you know, kind of what is the point of parenting this way? What's the point of of kind of uh, advocating for kids or, or or leading kids in this way? And the point is to be able to build uh, into our kids the ability to thrive independently in the world, right? And there's varying degrees of that for everybody. Obviously, like there there are those who um, who will be uh, you know sky's the limit, thriving the world, you know as independent as anyone, um, there'll be those who stay at home and have their own ways of thriving within the framework of, of living at home. Like, but we want our kids to be able to be as prepared as humanly possible to thrive uh, and advocate for themselves and get their needs met. Um, and that beginning process is taught by us, right? So like giving them the choice to make, uh, make their decisions. And then when they don't work out right, like that's a far better teacher if you've got somebody there to help you think through why it didn't work out. Right. So I, I love that. Um, when, when you guys think, yeah, go can ahead. I, say one thing, Judy? I think yeah. one thing about this, uh, I've just been reflecting a lot on the idea of like time, like time is limited. And so, so much of like what is frustrating as an adult who's caring for a kid in any capacity is like, okay, but we don't have time. So what I love about this practice is like it gives kids chances to try and sometimes fail and sometimes succeed at managing time. And I actually have been thinking a lot because I am like a, I tend to like say yes to a lot of things and then just like burn myself out trying to finish all the things I said I would do. And it has happened enough times that like I should have, you know, quote unquote, learned my lesson and I'm still learning it. But I think it, it is this idea of like, if we want kids to be successful humans, no matter what that looks like for them, college, career, um, whatever their path is, they've got to be able to manage their time and manage their own capacity. And so I think this practice really gives you a chance to scaffold that skill. I know that's another of our connecting practices, but it's a chance to give them that, like you're saying, Matt, those baby step choices to show. And sometimes they're going to like think they've got it. And something's going to miss a deadline or there's not going to be enough time or they're going to lose something. Um, and that's okay. That's a good teacher too. Um, and so I just, anyway, I've been thinking about this practice as it relates to time, because whenever we tend to jump in and grab control, it's usually because we want something to get done quicker. Um, like with a toddler, no, like we have to actually go in the car now to get to the appointment on time. So I'm just going to put your shirt on for you. And then like for a kid who's like entering college, that would be the parent who's like, I'm just going to finish this application for you because it's due and you've wasted the time. So it's the, ten, you know, the, the temptation is to jump in to meet the deadline. So I just love that this practice gives us a chance to like pause, think about that. And in age appropriate ways, right? Uh, Help them start to build that skill through trial and error. Totally. Uh, when y'all think about this, what, what do you think about uh, what? What are some misconceptions or um, common kind of mistakes or missteps that we find when it comes to giving voice? Yeah, I mean, I think when you first hear like, "Oh, give voice and share power." then I think at first you're like, whoa, this is going to swing so far over to where it's going to be really permissive, right? We get into the permissive parenting style. And so I think from the outside, when you first hear that, 
that's something that kind of pops in your mind. And then I think too, at least for me, like when we start implementing it, I wanted to give my child voice so much that I think sometimes even without realizing and I'm swinging to that other side. And so trying to find that, um, or we'll use another connecting practice, trying to find that balance of nurture and structure, right? And then also trying to make sure that we're giving um, giving choices and offering compromises and sharing power in those ways, but without sliding into that permissive parenting. So I think I loved what you said, Becca, about our kiddos learning their own capacity, um, which, you know, our, our kiddo is, is two. So, you know, he thinks he can do all the things, but I love that idea of, yes, that's, that's what we're here for at this age is to help him understand his capacity. Like, okay, yeah, I know you don't want to go to bed, but like, you really can't stay up any later, but thinking, you know, older kids, like, Sometimes you might stay up and then the next morning you might regret your decision because you thought you had more capacity. We all, I mean, I do that, right? I did that this week. Like, oh no, I'm fine. So I love that idea of us as parents thinking about where are the places that we need to hold strong to really help our and support our kiddos. And then um, where are places where we can let go and, and share that power. So I think we just kind of have to be mindful of that as we implement. Yeah, just an add to that, like <clears throat> from the outside, it looks like we're creating these like classic spoiled monsters, like where they get what they want when they want, because their voice means demand. It's like voice equals demands. Yeah. And it, that's not the case here. It's right. creating safe places within a boundary. Like we're the fences are still up, like now right. how, how it's done inside the box, like that's up for the, that's where voice comes in. But like, there is still a box. Like you're not going to put your hand in the fire. Like that's, that's not it. Like you're going to go to sleep at some point. So like how we make it to there, like, yes, there's some, there's some wiggle room and like kind of like that uncomfortable gray area, which I think is what happens when people first start this process. It feels uncomfortable because you have a mindset of this is what things should look like. And like, when I think about older kids and the kids that I've worked with through high school and especially now young adulthood, like, it's uncomfortable because it doesn't look like my experience yeah. and we have a hard time sometimes separating my experience and how, what school I think school should look like, or what I think a true natural, natural transition into adulthood looks like, because that's what I did. And so it's much easier if I just tell you like, Hey, this is how to be organized. This is how to manage your time. This is how to save money because like it worked for me. That's and it's hard when that's not mm, my kiddo's story. That's not my student's stories. And so it looks like, oh, I'm just setting them up for failure because, you know, it's like, oh, they're just going to be free range and whatever happens, happens. And I'm right. There's going to be some big long-term consequence because if I don't intervene here, like it's going to be a major problem because they're not going to go into school. They're not going to be successful when it's like, no, like, I got to create times where there's, there's, I call it low risk failures when I, in my classroom where I create times for when failures are not an issue, when we can try and then reflect and then try again, when there aren't, the stakes aren't as high. And that's, what's hard because when they come to me in high school or at these older kids, like stakes are a little bit higher than now. So it's so great starting as a, as a youngster as two to kind of create this power. So they, it's not just my voice means demands, but I learned how to use my voice 
to empower myself and empower others. Yeah, that's so good. That's great. Um, you know, when we we were recording this in the summer um, in the U.S., which is uh, the opposite. It's winter for our friends in the Southern Hemisphere. And so we want to acknowledge that. <laughs> Thank you again, Tom Jordy, for calling me out on that. Um, so we were <laughs> the... Uh, the thing that we want to um, that we want to talk about next, it would be what. How do you plan to use this connecting practice this summer? Obviously, again, two different contexts, like small child and then like free range adult, uh, uh, almost adult children. You know, um, in your work, like how how do you guys plan on using this this summer? How are you using it so far this summer? Yeah, since I'm a full time educator, the non summer months are. A little bit more limited when it comes to face-to-face time with my kiddo. Um, and so the summertime gives me a great opportunity to just lean into like discover and dive into time with my kid, what he's interested in. And so I think when the start of the summer, we've had these conversations where I'm like, okay, let's just do all the things. And which ended up being led to some meltdowns and some other things because I my voice, my desire to give him voice ended up like, yeah, it was no boundaries. And so it's now like, okay, so we need some type of structure, but within like how this is going to look like is now different. I mean, because we are in a transition summer is a transition time for us because things just look different. Um, And so for me, it's all right. Like, what are the things, what's your bucket list? What are the things you want to go do? And like, let's try to figure out how to make that happen. And I get a chance to spend a lot of time with my kid just talking about how to ask for things. And so that's been kind of the big focus this summer is not necessarily like he's great at asking for compromises, but like, how do we ask for a compromise? What does that look like? And can I just add that it's really cute to teach your toddler to ask for a compromise and you better be ready to agree to it because it's impossible to say no to a two-year-old asking for a compromise, but he's sorry. a little wheeler and dealer right now for sure. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's building that muscle for sure. Um, and so like, that's for me, that's just, it's a great opportunity to like really explore all the really interested. He's also a director, which I'm not a director when His it comes play to style. Yeah. When, yeah. when it yeah. comes to play style. Um, so it's fun to say, okay, like you get to direct me, like, like what are we going to do and see him like live into his the director glory as we bounce from sandbox to gravel pit to slide to all these different things. And just once again, like I'm sharing in his world and his excitement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think to add to that, like it's really exciting to have him at home, but that's outside of our norm. Right. So we're in the summertime and that's outside of our norm. And we just feel more relaxed during the summer. We maybe stay up a little bit later. And so, um, those are places where that can feel a little unstable um, for kiddos. And I think giving voice helps us to um, keep some of that consistency for him because he feels like there's still, he's still, well, yeah, he still has a voice, right? He still has a chance to express himself. And so we're able to offer choices in the little day-to-day things, right? Like, do you want to wear this shirt or this shirt? Or would you like this for breakfast or this for breakfast? And um, so while we're, we might be a little bit more flexible with some things, I think allowing our kiddo to have a chance to make those choices and then, and yeah, practice asking for compromises and, and negotiating those things are really helpful for him to, to feel stable and secure 
um, in, in the midst of summer, which is a little bit more free and relaxed for us. Awesome. I love those examples. It's just, it's fun to picture your little guy saying, can I have a compromise? <laughs> That's very cute. It really is um, cute. Yeah, man. And I think you bring up a good point to like, be careful if you lean towards saying yes, or if you lean towards saying no, just like check yourself and yeah. make sure that it's a good yes. And that it's a good no um, instead of your knee jerk. So I think that was a really good, I love that y'all highlighted that even in this, that like, yeah, there's still boundaries. There's still stuff, you know, there's still limits. Life has limits. Um, man, I love that story. I think, yeah, I think this practice can be so freeing because we're scared. Well, they're just going to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. It's going to be insatiable. Um, and you might go through that. You might go through a period when you start doing this, that your kid is insatiable, but the more that you come in with like the heavy hammer, I'm going to have all control, the worse it's going to get. And the more that you're able to like try and give yeses, you know, I'll, we like to say, say yes when you can and no when you need to. Um, so like, does it matter if you wear your pajamas to the store or does it not matter? Like versus we're there, you know, at some point we have to go to sleep, like, you know, versus like stay up all night. There's no rules. Um, so I love that. As you guys think about this connecting practice, do you have a favorite example or just an example that pops to mind, whether it's in like a movie, a book, a TV show, where have you guys seen the idea of give voice in the media? Yeah, well, you know, I uh, I don't work with elementary school kids now, but I'm an elementary school teacher at heart. And uh, so the first thing that popped in my mind is a kid's book called The Day the Crayons Quit. And in this book, if you're not familiar with it, in this book, the crayons are writing a letter to Duncan and they're each color crayon is expressing, they're expressing their need, right? And so one crayon feels overworked and wants to take a break. And another crayon, the black crayon is uh, complaining because uh, he always does the outline and he's like, can I just color the inside of the beach ball sometime? Right. And so it goes through each crayons. And I think it's just a fun way to show your kiddos how even these crayons who don't typically have a voice, right. They develop their voice and they're expressing their need. And in the end, uh, Duncan finds a compromise and he creates this whole picture that's creatively colored with non-typical colors, right, for all of his picture. And so I love that book as a way to even introduce advocating for your needs and what you may want and ways that you can find compromises in that. So I love the day the crayons quit. Well, to follow up that piece of literary masterpiece <laughs> um <laughs> the movie that come that came to mind almost instantly one because we just watch it introduce it to carissa is the uh, classic adam sandler movie big daddy about <laughs> <laughs> adam sandler's basically watching this this young kid for a time period and adam sandler character realizes he never had a voice so he's like i'm just gonna let the kid do what he wants <laughs> and so the young kid chooses his new name his name is frankenstein in a movie dresses how he wants it's one of those like he gives him that kind of that choice for the first time and there's like this moment in the movie where it's like uh adam sandler is talking to one of his friends and they're like don't you find this weird and he's like no like he gets to like live into like his personality for the first and like He's actually doing making the right choices that everybody else would have like pushed back on because 
is one moment Frankenstein gets asked, like, hey, what do you want to do today? And he's like, I want to go to school. And he's like, look, he's doing the right things. I didn't have to force him. And so I think that's just a beautiful example of voice. It's that, like, it's not this, like, crazy, like, method where they're going to do all these really ridiculous things and, like, never do the important things, like, oh, I'm never going to get a vegetable again because all I want is a popsicle for the rest <laughs> of my life. And, like, that's going to be a fear of somebody. But, like, we've noticed and in a movie you see like no like kids do make things that are good choices our kid does love popsicle boats as he calls them popsicles and he wants them all the time but he also like hey i want some fruit can i have some chicken can i have some chickpeas for whatever reason <laughs> and like wants to go outside and play wants to go ride his bike wants to do all these things that we know that i would have said yes this is what we need to do but now it's his idea i'm like well that's a great idea let's go do this yeah big daddy's a fun example of there are some extremes yes. in that movie but it is a fun example of seeing them i think seeing the caregiver and the kid work through that what does it look like to to elevate his voice and also oh yeah maybe we need to add some some guardrails here for him as well yeah i love that becca did you have one that you thought of yeah, uh, my husband and I just went and saw the new Little Mermaid, <laughs> and oh. I felt like a huge ETC nerd because I was like watching it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, she literally lost her voice." That's the <laughs> point of the movie. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and then at the end, like her dad's like sending her to Prince Eric, and she's like, "Thank you for hearing me," or something like. That. I don't know if she said listening to me or hearing me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh." This is this is an ETC movie. This is about your voice. Um, so I felt like a huge nerd. But I think it's a it is funny to like look back at movies that I saw when I was a kid and I haven't really thought about and be like, oh my goodness, like it is. She's trying to communicate that she's wants something different and she doesn't feel like she fits into the the quote unquote world. And then she literally loses her voice and kind of like gets what she wants, but in a negative way. Um, and then at the end of it, kind of full circle, she's able to advocate for what she needs, negotiate that with her dad, make it happen. Um, it's not a perfect example. I just thought it was funny. I was sitting there in the theater, like, why am I thinking about Empowered to Connect connecting practices right now? <laughs> so that's, yeah, that was the one. I, so I, I um, told them, I told everybody on the call before we got on that I, I, I usually don't think about what I'm going to say for this answer until right in the moment. And I, I feel like the perfect answer just came to me a second ago, thinking of like you said, classic movies, Chris. And we, growing up, my brother and I, um, are and my sister, our favorite movie was Cool Runnings. And every road trip, every family vacation we we ever went on, um, my parents would rig this little like TV VCR combo. This is how old I am. I'm sorry to everyone who's young and who's like, "What's a VCR?" Just turn the podcast off. It's we're done. But uh, <laughs> He, the TV VCR combo, he'd like rig it between the seats. And so in all of our trips, we would, you had to pick movies that weren't going to drive them nuts because the speaker sat right in my dad's ear. <laughs> and there is a moment in Cool Runnings when uh, two characters who don't uh, particularly get along in the very beginning, kind of the big bully type, his name's Yule Brenner. And yes, Yule Brenner. And then um, Junior Bevlin is the other one who is real sheepish and like uh, kind of daddy's boy, like has has been very spoiled and rich his entire life. Um, they're, they don't get along at all. And there's a moment where uh, they're at the Olympics in Canada and 
you know, this guy's calling them out at the bar and junior or uh, yeah, you'll like carries junior into the, into the bathroom by the arm. And he's like, look at me and tell me what you see. And he like, tell he like makes them recite and we can't recite it. Cause there's, here's some language in there, but you know, <laughs> not a wholehearted endorsement. Actually, it's as close to a wholehearted endorsement as I can get. It's an amazing moment in the movie. But the point is, and the reason it made me think about this is that Yule kind of speaks into Junior, like what he sees when he looks at him, and it gives him this newfound pride. And now he uses that you that newfound pride to go, you know what? This is problematic because he goes back and starts a whole um barroom brawl. <laughs> <laughs> So the reason that we want to give voice is so that when our kids are in the bar one day, they can, <laughs> no, just kidding. So the, the point of that though, it's a beautiful moment of um, someone else speaking into, speaking that into um, a friend, a close confidant, and then that person believing in themselves more and it, and it projects into them, you know, walking into themselves a little bit more as a human. So I always think about that and how beautiful of a moment that is. Um, I just forget that the, you know, it inspires him to go punch somebody in the bar right afterwards. So it's, <laughs> you know, not a wholehearted endorsement here, but uh, a beautiful moment nonetheless. So uh, guys, any, any last uh, pieces of, of, inf- of advice or, or information that you guys want to share for um, anybody who's listening today? I would just, I so I know we're joking about inspiring them to to go start a barroom brawl, but I do think I love that idea of giving voice being really empowering for our kiddos. And yeah. so when I think about um, kids at school or you know our kiddo at home or yeah, I, that's what I want is for them to feel empowered. And as a parent, I think that's what what we hope for, for a kid that he feels supported and that he feels empowered. And I love that giving voice, offering choices and compromises, even at a young age helps to, to lay the foundation for that for him. Yeah. That's awesome. Matt. I think, yeah, just to kind of echo that, like for, especially those who are just now starting or like curious or unsure about this, like it's a beautiful journey and it's so much better like walking side by side with my son than like me carrying him or me being in front and like pushing and almost like bushwhacking the path in front of him where I never get to see him like it's so much better seeing him side by side or even taking a lead and so it is a journey and so like just stick with it but like it's worth it it's worth the day to day and just being able to like truly see your kiddo for all they are and like, yeah, I get to fall deeper and deeper in love with my kid every day as I see him like explore the world and see the world through his eyes and not just what my eyes see. And so it's been great. And so just stick with it. Love it. I love it. Um, Becca, guys, thank you all for joining us today. And this has been really fun. Um, and yeah, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Great. Thanks so much. Well, again, helpful, helpful stuff, practical stuff from the Davises and from Becca today. And um, our hope is that as you're listening to this, there are some things you can take home with you, the things that you are uh, able to 
walk away with to better yourself as a parent today. And so that's our hope. We're going to continue walking through these connecting practices with more uh, the whole rest of the summer. We're really excited to do so. And so uh, for everybody here at ETC, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast, I'm J.D. Wilson. And we'll see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast. Thank you.